I want to talk about a phenomenon in society. It's not new, but it does seem to be strong. And that is the move of the enemy to silence the church. Now, as I pray about that, and I, I will discuss it today and what, that, what I mean by that and what that looks like, I want us to be very mindful. That's always been the goal of the enemy uh, from day one uh, when, he, when he attacked in the Garden of Eden. It's been the goal of the enemy when he crucified Jesus Christ, our Savior, on the cross. His goal has always been to silence the gospel message of Jesus Christ, the good news. That's not a new tactic. And the second thing I want us to be aware of is that it doesn't matter what he wants to do. We're not victims. Amen? Uh, we're overcomers. Greater is he that is in us than he that's in the world. But how many of those even people that are not victims, that are strategic in battle, it's good to be aware of the tactics of the enemy. We need to know what he's doing so that we can counter it. And so I want to talk about that. Now, let's read chapter, uh, Romans chapter 10. Let's read, begin at verse 11, and I'll read about six verses. The, the Bible says, For the Scripture says, Whoever believes on him will not be put to shame. For there is no distinction between Jew and Greek. For the same Lord over all is rich to all who call upon him. For whoever calls on the name of the Lord shall be saved. And here's where I want us to hone in on tonight, verse 14. How then shall they call on him in whom they have not believed? And how shall they believe in whom they have never heard? And how shall they hear without a preacher? And how shall they preach unless they are sent? As it is written, how beautiful are the feet of those who preach the gospel of peace, who bring glad tidings of good things. And they have not all obeyed the gospel. For Isaiah says, Lord, who has believed our report? So then faith comes by hearing and hearing the word of God. Heavenly Father, I ask, Lord, that our next few minutes together that you will guide our conversation. Lord, let it be uh, challenging to us, encouraging, God, directional. Father, as you, the Holy Spirit, speak into our heart, and we'll give you all the glory in Jesus' name. Amen. Now, a few things I want us to kind of dissect out of that verse. How can people hear the good news without a preacher? Well, in our culture, in our society, that automatically makes everyone think of the pastor, the minister, the evangelist uh, in the church. And while that is one uh, accurate interpretation of that scripture, that is not the whole interpretation of that scripture. Uh, because the word preacher literally here means proclaimer or heralder, one that proclaims the good news, heralds the good news. So can I tell you that when you're telling someone about Jesus Christ, 
you're the preacher. You're the one that uh, you're the one that is sharing the good news of Jesus Christ. So the Bible says, "How can they hear without the church having a voice?" I, I met Brother Bill for breakfast yesterday. We were talking a little bit about some of this and uh, some very real concerns of, you know, uh, we we have good services. God moves. We sing. We worship. We preach. We we study the Word, but it's often so isolated to just those inside the walls of the church. And we as the body have to figure out a way to get the good news of the gospel of Jesus Christ outside of the church uh, to the world, to the hurting. Uh, we, can, we can moan and groan and we can feel victimized and, well, they ought to come here. And I agree with that. They ought to come here. But they're not coming unless we go get them and invite them and bring them in. And so we can't pass the buck. Uh, God has called us to be evangelists. Now, how, how many know, and, and it's clear that he's talking about faith cometh by what? Hearing what? The word of God. So it's clear that the Bible here is talking about hearing God's word. Not necessarily our opinions, but God's word. Because at the end of the day, it doesn't matter what I think. It only matters what God's Word says about a subject. And if my thought process doesn't line up with the Word of God, does it make my thought process right and the Word of God void? Absolutely not. Just the other way around. Uh, so I, I, I know I've shared it in here before, but I just so appreciated. Uh, uh, I, I watched an interview one day with uh, Bishop T.D. Jakes, and they asked him what he thought about same-sex marriage and i tuned right in because he's on a national stage he's on a national platform he's on tv um how is he going to respond uh is he in a corner here because we know what the word says and i loved his response so much i just almost jumped up out of my chair and rejoiced right there he said at, he said basically what i said to you all ago it doesn't matter what i think all that matters is what does the Word of God say. Um, let's go to the Word of God. And, uh, you know, that's how the gospel of Jesus Christ, but how many knows that we can do that in love? Uh, so many in the church today have, have tried to utilize the Word of God to beat the world over the head with. Well, they don't enjoy that, and they don't respond to that. But how many knows that it, it's, it's appropriately used when we can gently rebuke and teach and correct people. And it's not just for the world. I get correction all the time from the Word of God. So it's, it's fit for reproof. It's fit for, for correction. It's, it's fit for edification, uh, both in the church and outside of the church. What, what are some ways? I'm just going to make this little Q&A for just a moment, and I hope that you will uh, throw in some answers. What are some ways that you can see that the world, the culture, is using to silence the voice of the church. Anybody have a thought? Ridicule. Uh, 
the enemy likes to kind of put people in their place, as he would say. And uh, the church, and so we relegate church because of that to Sunday morning where it's our safe spot. Uh, because we get embarrassed, we get called out, we get picked on. That's good. Ridicule is absolutely one of the strengths of that the society uses to silence the church. Is there any other uh, tools that you can think of the enemy may use to silence the voice of the church? Absolutely. So um, the veil that we all are familiar with the terminology separation of church and state. Can I, can I tell you that that was never intended to protect take the state from the church. It was intended to protect the church from the state. <laughs> um, it was it was designed to keep the state from in, interfering with church. I, I, I think if you study the history there, it was never the thought that it would keep the church from interfering or speaking, I don't want to say interfering, from speaking into the the state. So, but you're right because we we um, uh, years ago uh, we had a little conflict with some of y'all. Remember, y'all pray helped us pray through it when we had for 20 plus years. Now for 25 years, uh, we have our sunrise service at Hannah Park. Every Sunday morning, State Park, we, we pay the admission. We don't ask them for anything. We pay the price. They don't give us anything. We don't expect anything. Um, we pay the admission. We clean up after ourselves. We follow the rules. In fact, we pay a permit fee. We do everything according, just like any other group organization would do to meet out there. Well, one manager just put in, and for uh, two years, we fought tooth and nail, and they just determined they were not going to allow us to use Hannah Park to have our sunrise service. And they tried to pull that state and church separation, which made no sense. And I, I tried to say, look, we're, we just come in. It's very quiet. We about 30 minutes when we're there useless well before your parishioners or your not parishioners but your park attendees get there anyway we gather we sing we pray and we leave and uh you know we pay and they just wasn't gonna budge to the point that i began to look to other venues and it's hard because there there aren't a lot of other places out here that have easy access to the beach for elderly to get down the beach uh, down the ramp and everything to get to the beach and so I'm going somewhere with this long, long story. Um, I'm ready to give up. Uh, be thankful that your pastor's wife is a bulldog. Because <laughs> uh, I, I didn't know what to do. I'm, I'm trying to think, Lord, what are we going to do? We've had this thing, and, and, and it was hurting my heart, but I didn't know what. I didn't know how to get around it. It was an all, It felt insurmountable. And she said, oh, no, uh uh And uh, so she started calling the mayor, the city commissioner uh, at large, um, I think it was John Crescent Benny. And uh, when, when he heard what was going on, he was, he was shocked. Uh, he said, so you guys are paying the permit fee like everyone else? Yes. 
You pay your admission tickets to get in. Yes. Why won't they let you? Uh, we said, we don't know. They just said we couldn't do it. Um, can I tell you, she, when, when he got involved, he called later that day, the head of departments and state departments, Rex, called me here at the church and went over the whole process again with me. Tell me what happened. Tell me what happened. Went through the whole process. Wasn't trying to be ugly toward their manager, just stating this is the process. Um, he said, uh, can you go down there now? I said, yeah, I can go down there now. He says, go down there and you get your tickets. And I went down there, and he was on the phone with the people when I got there. And uh, they had my tickets ready out on the counter and um, for, for us to come in. And, and, and can I say, um, I, I, I noticed about a week later the manager was gone. I hope in some way she didn't lose her job over that incident. But now, since that has happened, they cannot be more cooperative and helpful every year. And we don't, listen, we, I don't want to, I want to be a good neighbor. We want to be a, we don't want to be the church that is a troublemaker, uh, you know, and so we, we always try to be cooperative and nice to them. But that's the relationship we ought to have. But can I tell you, the enemy, if had he had his way, would have silenced that ministry and that outreach with a lie. And uh, so, yes, that, that's true. So, uh, we don't get involved in any others. And I won't tell long stories every time. <laughs> Although I probably could. Um, so, so we talk about, my, and, and, and then here's how, how about this, that the church has somehow, this has a, been a, a problem that I've struggled with and I've been praying about for over a year now, is just kind of lulled into a state of complacency. I was talking to my wife about it at lunch today. It just hurts my, how can we get people excited? You know, I'm not talking about everybody's backsliding. It's just like nap time at the preschool. <laughs> They're just asleep. <laughs> they, you know, and, and can I tell you, the world has a way of lulling us into complacency. Um, make you think everything's all right, while at the same time they're behind the scenes doing all kinds. And, and when we wake up, it's often too late because there's been too much going on, and it's going to take a whole lot to undo it. So these are a few. Any, any, uh, any other thoughts? There's, 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 there's several. Um, how about um, just drowning out the voice of the church by the voice of the world? Basically, over talk. You ever had a conversation with someone and they just over talked you, <laughs> and you couldn't get a word in. And when you're trying to talk, they're just over talking you, and uh, they're they're drowning out your point to make their point. And uh, the world's good at that because oftentimes they have the microphone. Uh, they might they they have most of the television shows. They have most of the media outlets. And so they're, they're good at over-talking the church. So we've got to get good at countering those things uh, in love and demonstrating and preaching and, and uh, sharing and proclaiming the gospel of Jesus Christ. Uh, I want to talk about some other ways here, just hit on a few others that we didn't necessarily hit on yet, but... 
uh, one of the ways the enemy is silencing the church is by stopping prayer. You know, used to you went to public events and it wasn't it wasn't a strange thing to have someone pray. It was pretty much the norm. High school football teams. Um, I, I remember even as far back as when I was a kid, um, my class right before we went to uh, right before we went to lunch, I was led by a Christian. And before we go to lunch, he had the class bow their heads, and he prayed over our lunches until a couple of the students talked to their parents and got offended, and then they come in and um, they allowed the, those students that didn't want to pray over their lunches to step right outside of the door and wait on us as we prayed over our lunch before we went to the cafeteria. Uh, and, and that was what seemed odd. The praying over the lunch seemed like the normal thing to do. Uh, but now, can you imagine going in a public school and saying, okay, it's time to go to lunch. Let's bow our head and give praise, give thanks. That would be a very odd thing. I, I was the high school, when I was a youth pastor, I was the, uh, for Fletcher High School, um, not Fletcher, I'm sorry, Crosstown, Lee High School, um, I was their football chaplain. Self-imposed. I went over there and introduced myself to the football coach and volunteered my services. And so I'd go in and pray with the team before football games and, and uh, connected with them, done a little short Bible devotional with them before football games. Y you can't do that stuff hardly anymore because somehow uh, the enemy has silenced if, if there ever are moments, how many of those are usually not moments of prayer, sometimes at best we'll get a moment of silence. Now, hopefully Christians are praying during that moment of silence. But, but how many knows that uh, one of the ways the enemy, because what does 2 Chronicles 7, 14 say? Uh, when, when my people, which are called by my name, shall humble themselves and pray, I'll hear from heaven. So the devil knows he has to silence the prayers of the church. Remember blind Bartimaeus? Blind Bartimaeus cried out, Jesus, son of David, have mercy on me. Um, that's prayer. Can I tell you prayer? Prayer doesn't always have to be our Father which art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Uh, so, sometimes prayer can be... Um, Oh, Lord, help me right now. Sometimes you don't have 20 minutes to get into the meat of your prayer. Sometimes you got about two seconds. His moment was passing by. He said, Jesus, have mercy on me. And what did the crowd do? Be quiet. You're out of order. That, that's not, uh, you know, that's not, that's not kosher. That's not good. Not kosher. That's good. Because they were Jewish. But anyway. Um, uh, be, be, you know, and, and so they, they tried to put him in his place to, to silence down, but, but he cried out the louder. How many knows that's what I believe that the church, and, and not, listen, he wasn't trying to be rebellious. He was trying to get through to Jesus. He wasn't trying to make a political point. He just needed to get through to Jesus. 
See, when we stay on mission, we can get passionate. But when we get off mission and try to make uh, other points that aren't even relevant to what we're trying to accomplish, then we get lost in the shuffle somewhere. If our goal is just to get through to Jesus, then you do it with all your heart and with all your passion. And if you go to jail, I'll come try to bail you out. But you just be faithful, amen? So, um, but, 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 so, so that's, that's one of the ways that the, uh, the, the world has tried to silence the church is by silencing prayer. Years ago, they took prayer. Now, that was actually before my time when they took the Bible and prayer out of schools um, officially, or at least the Bible, uh, out of schools. But, but then it took a little while for it to really set in. But, but the reality is it's set in right now. Uh, I, I remember, in fact, there was that same football team when I went over there and uh, they uh, asked about opening a football game with prayer. I mean, not just with the team, but the whole game. And uh, they were very concerned because they said, well, we have, you know, we have people of different faiths, different, you know, Muslims, whatever. And, and that's what I thought of that. I said, let them pray to their God, and I'll pray to my God, and let's see which one answers by fire. The problem is, don't be intimidated. I could have stood right there and not with a scowl on my face and let them say whatever they needed to say if I would have had my opportunity to get up and pray to Jesus Christ because I, I, I'll put Jesus up next to anybody, amen? Uh, so we cannot be intimidated uh, by, by the world. Uh, we have to allow uh, God to be moved, to use us and to move through us. So uh, one way is through, um, is the, the, the world has silenced the prayer of the church in a public arena. And I know the old saying, as long as there's tests in school, there'll always be prayer. And that is true. But you know what I mean? In a public arena, and not just in school. However, that's another one where we talked about ways that the world has effectively silenced the church. Can I tell you, the devil's been doing this a long time, and he knows what he's doing. And he was all right with letting a generation go and going after our kids. And now that generation has grown up and become older, and that's what we're dealing with now. Uh, so another way that, that the enemy works is he indoctrinates our children. And, and we allow him to do that. We allow him to do that because we don't know how to counteract. Well, <laughs> I heard a preacher uh, uh, recently make the comment. And I thought that was so good. I need to write it down, but I need to write it down because I remember it. Um, that when parents become more interested in uh, connecting with their kids than protecting their kids, there's a problem. Parents all want to connect with, and it's good to connect with your kids, but your job is to protect your kids, and uh, you can protect them, and there'll be opportunities you can connect with them, but you can't sacrifice connect, protecting them just for the sake of connecting with them, and I don't know if that ministered to you like it did to me, but again, that was one of those I want to stand up and shout moments when they said that. Uh, the, ch the, the world is often stealing the praises, our testimony. Listen, I, when, when we pray for something, 
And God responds. Let's not buy the lie of the enemy because they're going to give you a million reasons why that happened. And if we're not careful, we'll begin to believe that God had nothing to do with it. Um, you know, we, we uh, just, just recently with, with, um, with many of y'all prayed for Debbie Armstrong. We were praying, and, and when at first she went into the hospital and um, we, we didn't know what was going on, um, I began to pray for good reports and good doctors, and, and um, good things happened. And the, 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 the mass that they found, I mean, they, the results aren't in. They haven't done the biopsy yet, but I'm still believing it's not cancerous. But the doctors begin to give good reports, good reports, good reports. And that's what we prayed for. God, give us good reports. God, give us good doctors. I prayed God. I, I spoke with June the next morning, and I said, let's pray together that she can come off of that ventilator. And by the time I got to the hospital, she'd, she was off the ventilator. Well, that's what doctors do. She passed the time, da-da-da-da. And, and we begin to rationalize, and we allow the world to steal our testimony. When we ask God to do something, let's give God the praise for what he's done. Because God is able, amen, to do exceedingly abundantly. So don't let the world and science steal your testimony. Be a people that aren't afraid. In fact, just a little bit later this morning, uh, and I, I think we have some good testimonies here. We're going to give you opportunity this evening to share your testimonies and, um, and any praise reports that you'll have or prayer requests that you'll have. But faith hears God say it's done, sees God make it done, and shouts because it believes it's done. Faith has a voice, and that voice is praise. And it's time that we give voice to our faith. Amen? The third way that I wanted to hit on, and this isn't necessarily an all-inclusive list, but that the world has tried to silence the church is by distorting our message. And again, we have fallen in lockstep with, with this, and we've given the... We've given the world a lot of fuel to distort our message with because we get off point. First uh, Corinthians 2, And I, brethren, when I came to you, did not come with excellency of speech or of wisdom declaring to you the testimony of God. For I determined not to know anything among you except Jesus Christ and him crucified. I was with you in weakness and fear and in much trembling. And my speech and my preaching were not with persuasive words of human wisdom, but in demonstration of the Spirit and power, that your faith should not be in wisdom of men, but in the power of God. Our message, our message has to be Jesus Christ, Him crucified and resurrected. I'm all about, listen, I don't have a tremendous amount of postgraduate knowledge. I've got all kinds of friends that have. I've got lots of friends that are doctors, and I love to hear them talk and to teach, and they can do it just beautifully. But can I tell you, 
we all have a gospel message to preach and to share Jesus Christ. We don't have to be, we don't have to be uh, the most uh, versed orators to share Jesus Christ. Uh, th that's a lie of the enemy that will try to tell you, well, you don't know enough about the Bible to share about Jesus Christ. All you need to know is what did Jesus do for you? You don't even have to know why or how. Just what? What does the Bible call us? Witnesses. <laughs> if you're a witness, what are you expected to do? <laughs> Testify to what you've seen or what you've experienced or your firsthand knowledge. Mr. Murray, did you see this man rob this store? Yes. Why did he do it? I don't know. They need to feed his kids. I don't know. They have a mental disorder. I don't know. So he doesn't know all the details. All he is called on to do, somebody else can deal with things that out, outside of that realm. All that we are called to do is share what we know. I was sick, and I prayed, and I got well. <laughs> well, would you have gotten well anyway? I don't know. I just know I was sick, and I prayed, and Jesus, I believe, made me well. So that's what a witness. You don't have, don't let the, yeah, I've learned, I've learned some great phrases that will help you. Because, can I tell you, the devil will constantly try to get you off track when you're trying to testify. So I've gotten really good at saying, you know, that's a great question. Uh, I can look into that, and we can get back to that later. But let's get back to talking about what Jesus did. Uh, well, what, what about this speaking in tongues? And is that really for today? Or is it, and if you don't know all the scriptures and the answers, you say, you know, those are great questions, and, and I think we ought to look into that together. But let me just tell you about what I was telling you about how Jesus healed me when I was sick. You know, and keep on point being a witness and a testimony but the, the, the world has tried to distort our message. Because, and, and can I tell you, I said that the church has given them plenty of fodder to do that with is because we've distorted our own message. Because we want the message to fit with our personality. And sometimes, sometimes Jesus is going to rub every personality wrong. The conservative personality, the liberal personality, Sometimes when you're walking this thing out, the passive, the type A personality, the, the, uh, you know, the sweet personality, all of these personalities, there are times that something is going to rub you wrong. And, 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 and we want to fit Jesus into our mold. And so we share Jesus in the way. That, and, and the problem is when we force him into our mold, somebody else is going to force him into their mold. And now we're, but when we just allow the word of God to speak for itself. So don't allow the enemy to distort the message of the church of Jesus Christ. You know what? I wish there were 500 people hearing this tonight. I'm giving you good stuff. <laughs> and then finally, um, don't allow, which we already hit on, uh, don't allow the enemy to distort your mission. Stay on mission. 
The devil doesn't care too much about what you do uh, as long as you lose focus of your mission of sharing Jesus Christ. Look, can I tell you, it doesn't scare the devil to death that we have 25 people meet on Wednesday night in Bible study. And if he can maintain that, and he would just call that damage control. What scares him is when we get out and begin to share the gospel with those outside and bringing more people in, and the body of Christ begins to grow. But that's the mission. That's the mission. I, mean, I look around and I'm, I'm thankful we've got a few new faces, and I'm thankful for that. To God be the glory. And uh, yes, and, 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 and we pray that um, because we do have some of our regulars that are out tonight. I talked to Gregory just before church. Um, called him. He's in Atlanta. I called him and said, son, I'm going to need a donation. By, by the way, I'm going to go ahead and give you some bad news. I'll say it again Sunday. Uh, we have a air conditioner that's 38 years old. 30, the, the AC people stand in awe when they come in and see that air conditioner out front. Uh, and it just keeps pumping cold air. And um, the, the first time they see it is always fun. I said, let me show you the air conditioner we're having trouble with. Um, but all that being said, I think all good things come to an end, and I think it's on at the end of its almost 40-year life. <laughs> um, and, and, and I haven't got used to uh, um, calling Gregory's one of the deacons in the church now. So I'm calling all these guys. I said, look, we've we got to raise some money. We've got Get, we don't have to replace that air conditioner. And I called him in Atlanta. I said, uh, he said, well, he said, that's good. Dad, I said, you don't understand. I need you to write a check. It costs money. <laughs> oh, welcome to the deacon board. <laughs> so, um, uh, but, 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 but the point that, that, that I, I don't know where I was going with all that silliness, um, but, but uh, other than you'll be hearing more about our, our air conditioner um, drama and saga. And, and, and I honestly, um, I'm, I'm kind of closed down this and we'll pray. I, I honestly, as bad as the money, hate to replace it just for the nostalgia of having that old air conditioner. And when that guy first came in today, he, was, he worked for the company that we always use, but he's a new guy. And he come in, he looked at this thing, he said, that thing's from the 80s. Yeah. He said, I've been doing this a long time. He said, you know, he said, back when I first started, we used to could find 30-year-old air conditioners still working, but it's been decades since I've seen an air conditioner working more than 12 or 13 years. I said, he said, they don't make them like that anymore. But um, that one, uh, the coils are uh, found corrosion, and it's going to cost more to replace the coils, and than the air conditioner's worth, so it just comes time. <laughs> we'll sing a song. We'll bow our heads. <laughs> and, um, and, and trust the Lord and put a 10-year air conditioner in its place. So, um, uh, but, but, but here is, here is the, uh, here's where I want to, I'm just going to wrap us up tonight. God has called us and, 
to be proclaimers of the gospel of Jesus Christ? How can they hear without a preacher? And that word, as I shared, means heralder or proclaimer. How can they hear without someone preaching? That's, again, I think that's so easy because we, we misunderstand the terminology in today's age. We think it's just the ministers of the evangelist. That's not what the word intended. How can they hear without someone tells them about Jesus Christ? I mean, I, I believe it's the will of God that Sunday mornings, in particular, ought to just be a celebration where all the people that have been saved throughout the week by the body of Christ out sharing the gospel come into the house of the Lord and we celebrate and we worship and we preach and we pray and we baptize. Wouldn't that be what, wouldn't that just be one and every Sunday morning, the next Sunday morning, uh, and we have to do it three or four times a day because it's just so many. And I'm all right. I, much I like to eat, I would, I would happily skip lunch if we were loaded up with people getting saved and baptized every Sunday. And, and I, how many believe with me that that, I believe, is really the intent of what God wants the church to be about? We cannot relegate it to just a service. So I want to challenge you. Uh, I'm going to encourage you, find even this week, even the next couple of days, somebody to share Jesus Christ with. Don't beat them over the head with it. Share the love of Jesus Christ with, with someone in, in love. Find someone that God will prick your heart to pray for and pray for them and uh, then guide them to know Jesus Christ as their Savior. Would you bow your heads with me? Father, Lord, I just thank you, God, for your word. God, help us to be oracles. Help us to be the 66th book of the Bible. God, help us to, to, to share Jesus Christ with those that we come in contact with, a living epistle. And, Father, I just pray, God, that you would minister life. Lord, encourage us, strengthen us, put people in our pathway that we can share your word and your love with. And God will give you all the praise in Jesus' name. Amen and amen. All right. Is it Old Testament? The New New Testament. Okay. Oh, okay, did they say it was on MySpace or Twitter? Maybe it was Bookface. Alright, so I'm watching on Facebook and streaming on YouTube. Let me forward this to my uncle and email this to my sister. <laughs> Easy. too small. Amen. Oh, amen. No, I didn't take notes on that. Okay, mommy's gonna sit down for church. You stay right here, okay? All right.
Thank you.